Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, without any further ado, here he is, his entourage waiting in the other room, his bodyguards waiting out in the car. Here's Dr. History. Good morning. Good morning, Zeb. How you doing today? I am peachy. Great, great. Looking forward to tomorrow, going to the Rupert Parade and eat Mexican food and... It's always just a fun time. There will be no energy shortage tomorrow. (laughs) You don't think so? (laughs) Oh, it's always fun to go over there. Now, you know what? These people really, uh, they're not amateurs at it. They're professionals. Yeah, yeah. Quite a deal. Fun parade. Yep, yep, yep. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a horse called the Blue Roan Man-Killer. The Blue Roan Man-Killer. Now, to, for our listeners, a, a Blue Roan is basically kind of a gray, black, blue kind of colored horse and yeah. various shades of lighter and darker. So yep. a blue, when I say Blue Roan, just kind of picture almost a charcoal colored horse. Is that right? Would you agree oh, with that? Sort of. With the sunlight on it and everything, it does have a tendency to look kind of bluish. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Okay. Now, this is a story by a guy named Dale Vincent, and he goes by the nickname of Shorty. So I'm going to be telling this story. By... He was 6'7". Right? <laughs> yeah. And anyway, I'll be telling his, this story uh, with his words. Okay. Okay. So here we go. Um, he says, I was breaking out harness horses for the Jim Little Ranch on Lost River near Howe, Idaho. Now, for people that may not know, Howe, Idaho is up there by Chalice, Salmon, up that direction, kind of in the middle of Idaho by the, uh, the Salmon River area. Anyway, he says, I got tangled up with the Blue Roan, an outlaw horse that had already killed two men and crippled a lot more. Oh, my. Now, he says, uh, our outfit needed a lot of horsepower for the ranch and operation, heavy teams for hauling wood and supplies, lighter teams for commissary and chuck wagons, and teams for the extensive haying operations. Sometimes people don't realize that there's haying operations on ranches. you got to have hay. Well, up there, there's a lot of good hay. Yeah, right. Now, he says, Big Jim, our boss, always traveled between his ranches with fast trotters pulling a buckboard. So he didn't ride. He went by buck, uh, buck wagon, buckboard. But anyway, he just told us to pick out and break out some more teams for his buckboard. And the boss said, I just bought 40 more horses from the Myrup Horse Ranch. They're all geldings. Break out the ones that will make good buckboard teams for me. Make saddle stock out of the rest. And see you in about two weeks. And he was gone. Really? So he leaves Shorty and Joe to take care of this. Okay? So it was a hot day. Uh, The new bunch of horses was to come in. The 20-man crew was out in the hay fields putting up hay. So no one was around the headquarter building uh, corrals except the three cooks and a big red-headed Irishman uh, uh, blacksmith and Joe and me, he says. So around 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we saw a dust cloud up on the hills about a mile to the west of the ranch. It was the new horses coming like the wind, straight down the hill toward the ranch. 
He says, man, oh, man, what a sight. Their manes were flying, their tails streaming out behind them. They were being pushed hard by two cowboys. Now, doesn't that just sound cool to see a herd of horses just on the run like that? You know, and that reminds me of that Tom Selleck movie where they had that, they were gathering all those horses coming into the ranch. It sounds just like that. I mean, I I just love to see that. But anyway, he says, we ran and opened wide the gate. The leaders entered on a dead run, and the herd thundered through. Right on their heels came the cowboys. We closed the big gate, and while the horses circled the wagon yard, the two riders swung off their lathered horses and walked over to Joe and me. Well, there's your 40 head, he said, with one extra throat in, free of charge. Uh-oh. Which one, I asked. What's the joke? He's the blue roan, and he's sure no joke. You'll know him when you see him. He's all scarred up and mean as a mountain lion. Well, what'd you bring him for, Joe asked. Well, the boss was glad to get rid of him. He said, if you don't want him, shoot him. Oh, my. (laughs) So they just wanted to get rid of this horse. So the rider said they'd had nothing to eat since early morning. So Joe went in to talk to the cooks, and I showed them where the wash bench was. Then we all sat down at the oilcloth table to eat and visit. What'd your boss mean, I asked, when he said to shoot him? Well, I'll tell you, said one. That blue devil is a 10-year-old outlaw. He's already killed two men and mangled a few others. He kicks, bites, and strikes. He'll kick the spurs off your boots. He'll reach around and grab your legs in, leg in his teeth, pull you out of the saddle, and stomp you to death. Well, he's just a nice little blue saddle horse. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, he's a sunfisher. Uh-huh. Now, for our listeners, I don't know if you're familiar with that term, Zeb. Yep. Sunfisher is a horse that kind of twists his body like his head is coming back towards his rear end. Yeah, in other words, he's not easy to ride. Yeah, yeah. So he's a tough one. Yeah. And he goes on, he says, nobody has ridden him yet. Last man he throwed, he jumped right in his middle and pounded him into mincemeat before we could stop him. Hmm. Well, sounds like he might be a little mean, said Joe. Come on, Shorty, he turned to me, and we walked out to look at the horses. Well, they all shied around us as we walked around through them. It wasn't so they were in the corral with the old Blue Roan. Right, okay. yeah, so here's 20, 21 horses, yeah. one of them which is the Blue Roan. Okay. He says it wasn't hard to, find, to spot the Blue Roan, uh, though he spotted us first, and he backed his scarred rear end up against the corral. His narrowed eye studied us, and he braced for any move we might make towards him. There were old rope marks on his nose and one on his hairy ears. One of his hairy ears was lopped over as if somebody tried to tear it off. You could tell he was ready for battle if that was what he wanted. And you and I have been around horses, Eb, that when they look at you a certain way, you know you better be watching. I can tell you I'm not going to pull the cinch on anything like that. (laughs) No. Well, uh, mean-looking critter, ain't he, Joe said. Yeah, I answered, uh, sizing up the well-muscled thousand pounds of dynamite. Nobody ain't broke his spirit yet. You can see that. Well, he was a battle-scarred old warrior for sure, but he still had his dignity, and I didn't hanker to take it away from him. So Shorty and Joe settled uh, back into our old work, he says, uh, uh, breaking out the harness horses, and we kind of forgot about the Blue Roan. Well, then two Myra boys, the other ranch, where they got these horses, had stayed overnight in the bunkhouse with the hayhounds, hayhands, and filled their ears. Did you say hayhounds? Hayhounds. Hayhands. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it filled their ears full of stories about the man-killing outlaw that was now in the herd. 
Well, since Joe and I bunked in another cabin by ourselves, we didn't notice the blue roan, quote, fever, okay, for a day or so. Surely we heard the boys talking at the table and noticed them kind of looking us over more than usual. Then one morning at breakfast, a talkative hayhand uh, by the name of Wendy, who sat across the long table from Joe and me, came right out with it. Joe, you or Shorty ought to ride that blue outlaw. Now, had anybody ever ridden the no, horse before? No, he's not been ridden. Oh, okay. And why, Joe asked back. Well, argued Wendy, the Myra Ranch hasn't got a man that can ride him, and if one of us could, that would make this ranch the top outfit in the valley, wouldn't it? Yeah, but they'd all have to take off work and go to a funeral. <laughs> That's right. Well... <laughs> Uh, Shorty said, I was the only so-called twister, I guess, you know, uh, buck bronker, bronc buster on the ranch. I'd been a rider of the rough string for three or four years, so he'd had a lot of experience. And that's all I'd ever hired out for, to break out the green ones, uh, either to saddle or harness. And he says, for sure, I was not a show rider, quote, uh, but he says, our, repu- our reputations depended upon our just being good, steady men who knew our business, and that's why what we always did with our job. Can you imagine, though, if they decided they were going to make a harness horse out of him? <laughs> that wagon would have never showed up anywhere. He might have been good on the chariots, <laughs> chariot racing. <laughs> but then he says, I also knew the immense pride men had in themselves and in the outfit they worked for. The loyalty they felt for their boss, hay hands worked hard to put up more hay than the next ranch. There was pride in having the fastest horses and the best cook. All hands were extremely devoted to a good outfit. There was a lot of pride. Sure. And you, you, you've heard sure. that. But there was only one competition. There was not only competition between ranches, but also competition between the men themselves. Each man always was striving to be the best hay pitcher, the best loader or stacker, the best teamster, and it just happened that I was the best rider on the ranch. So you can see what's coming. So I knew very well if the Blue Roan was to be ridden, I had to be the one to ride him. Suddenly I realized I was scared of that Blue Roan. I hadn't hired out to ride any outlaw that had already killed two men. My pride did not go deep enough to be thrown by a man killer and stomped into jelly. Well, the chips were down, the men thought I was showing yellow, and I knew right then that I had to go ride that outlaw sooner or later or get off the ranch. The next few days, my mind was not on my work like it should have been. Every chance I got, I'd ride out into the pasture and look at that that roan. He didn't move away like the other horses. He turned and faced me like a cougar. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was a horse who would fight to the last ounce of his strength, and it would be him or me. Well... One night it rained and wet the hay. So the next day, the crew didn't have anything to do but just kind of hang around. Uh Little did I guess that some of the boys had driven the horse herd into the corral, cut out the blue roan, put him in the round corral, and were saddling the outlaw with my rigging on his back. Oh, how nice. (laughs) Well, he says, I was miles away deep in my story reading something. A hay hand walked in the door and said, We got the Blue Roan saddled, and he's ready for you. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, suddenly my legs got weak. I sat down on the edge of my bunk. I was darn near paralyzed, he said. I couldn't think. This is what I've been dreading. I was sure if these tough Myrup boys couldn't ride that man killer, neither could I. That horse would chop me into coyote bait. (laughs) Well, that was a nice outlook, wasn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Looking forward to that, right? Yeah. 
I found myself automatically snapping on my leather cuffs, pulling on my shaps, buckling on my spurs, reaching for my hat. I did it all in a daze, mechanically. I could hardly walk as I went out the door and headed for the round corral. It was like walking to the gallows. (laughs) I saw the men already sitting around on top logs, waiting for the show to start. Then I saw the blue roan, and I blamed near fainted. The old outlaw was standing on three legs. One hind foot was tied up. My old familiar bronc saddle was laced on. He was blindfolded, and the red-headed blacksmith, who was as big and stout as a bull, had him eared down. These guys were really nice friends. Yeah. Now, eared down, Zeb, you know what that is? Oh, absolutely. They grabbed the... Some of them would actually... Bite. Bite the ear to keep the horse from... Yeah. Yeah. So... Which leads one to think that maybe this is not going to be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyway, like I say, he was eared down, and uh, he was blindfolded, uh... Uh, the roan was standing as quiet as a kitten, uh-huh. but I knew he was only waiting patiently for his next victim. Okay. Me. Yes. I called on all the willpower I had to walk across the open space to the round corral gate. Every man was mocking me intently. I did not dare show what I was thinking. When I reached the gate, I saw Joe with a thirty thirty rifle leaning against the corral. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. A gun? Yeah, thirty thirty. Mm. And he says, I thought that was a funny place for his gun to be. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> he says, I took an undue amount of time to open the gate, and as I walked through, I saw my first glimmer of hope. The blue roan was standing ankle deep in old, soft litter, manure, whatever, which had accumulated over a number of years, and the rain had softened it still a little more. Instinctively, I knew this litter was going to make it harder on the horse and easier on me. Absolutely. Now, I remember as a kid, Zeb, taking a, a, a young horse out into a plowed field. Because yep. you know if they started uh, bucking or whatever, they'd get tired pretty fast. It's a great place to warm them up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, just then, Joe reached my side and said, Shorty, you can ride that horse. You've always been better on a crooked horse than a stiff-legged bucker, and I know you can do it. Good luck. Good luck, yeah. (laughs) I'm glad it's you. Key words. Yeah. Well, then I was at the side of the outlaw. I took up more time by checking the rig, and he was just stalling. No, I don't blame him, do you? (laughs) Oh, not a bit. He said, I could feel the strength come back to my legs. For some reason, I was losing my fear. This was work, quote, that I was familiar with, every phase of it. I took my loaded quirt from the saddle horn and tied a knot. Now, for the listeners, a quirt is just kind of like a short uh, it's a hand whip. whip. Yeah, hand kind whip. of a hand whip, okay? Not very long, maybe, what, a couple of feet? Yeah, it's something most, and it goes around your wrist. Yeah. He says, I grabbed the horn, eased over, <sighs> grabbed the reins in my left hand, found my stirrups, and settled into my saddle. Now, this is where I think he would have trepidation. <laughs> yes. Nodded my head at the blacksmith to turn him loose. Uh Uh-uh. Almost in one motion, the Irishman let go of the outlaw's ears, jerked the rope free of his hind leg, and lifted the blindfold off the horse. And away we go. I knew that I was probably astraddle the worst horse I'd ever been on. It was like sitting on top of a barrel of gunpowder. As the blind was jerked, I saw the roan's ears flatten. He turned his ugly head to the right and glared at me out of one droopy eye. Really? Can you just picture this, Zeb? Oh, I can. I've been on one <laughs> yeah. like that. He says, I brought the heavy-loaded quirt down between his hairy ears with a dull thud. He gave a coughing grunt, squatted, cocked his legs, pulled the trigger, and blew up. After 55 years, I can still remember that first vicious jump. 
He sprang sideways to the left, trying to get me off balance, then to the right, and lit so slanting-like I could feel my foot touch the ground, then left, then right. He wasn't getting rid of me, so he swapped in so fast I could see his rump. <laughs> my brains, if any, were getting addled. Everything was jarring, whirling blur, but I still had my balance. At this point, he changed tactics. He pitched in a tight circle round and round until I was so dizzy I hardly knew anything at all. Then suddenly I realized that he was slowing down. He was beginning to tire, and my senses warned me about his teeth and how he dragged men out of the saddle. Well, I clubbed him alongside of his head and began to punish that outlaw with my spurs. I pounded at him on top of the head a few more times to keep him from coming over backwards, and you've seen that. Yep. Horse rare and yep. coming over backwards. Yep. He says, I had lost all reason. My arm was getting tired. At last, the roan was making only feeble efforts, and I felt my own reason coming back. I lifted my spurs away from him, away from his body. He was stumbling to a halt. When the blue roan stopped dead still, I sat there a moment trembling. I had not wanted the horse to kill me, and now I found I did not want to kill him. As I eased myself out of the saddle, I could hardly stand. I'd been take, I had taken a beating also. As stability came back, I noticed the sweat and foam on the outlaw's body and the blood, unfortunately. His trembling legs were spread wide apart and barely held him up. His head hung low almost to the ground, and I felt sorry for him. A yell went up from the men who had been watching. It was, yell, uh, it was a yell that a common rider like myself only hears once in a lifetime. As I turned to go, I saw Joe with the rifle in his hands, and suddenly I understood. He had given me the brakes in every way, the round corral, the soft litter, and if necessary, he, if he would have had to shoot the blue roan. And that's the story of the blue roan man killer and Shorty, the guy. And the you only, really don't know whatever happened, huh? No. But, you know, as you get to the end of that story, I kind of feel sorry for the horse. Don't you a little bit? I mean, here was a proud... Uh, magnificent animal i think he must have been and you know uh you and i are a little different there yeah i don't feel sorry for the horse <laughs> well uh, i'm looking at this like this poor guy was egged on and yeah. pushed to get on this horse he didn't want to very no, bad no he didn't and his friends had it all set up for him and to save face and to save his uh character and personality that's why he got on and he wrote him he yeah, wrote him. Right. And as far as sympathy for that man killer, I'm having a hard time trying to well, come up I, with that. I, I guess my thoughts are a, a horse that is broke, broken down. Do you know what I'm saying? That, well, that yeah. Maybe there was once, not necessarily this horse, but some horses that are proud, beautiful animals that maybe get just worked to death to where they no well, longer I can, have Well, I can understand spirit. that. I certainly can. And, yeah. and you want to care for all of them. But this, yeah. this horse, absolutely, he just didn't like people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few years ago I had a horse that... Uh, uh, two, I had two young horses that I was working with, and I had a guy work with them a little bit for me. And he says, "Now watch out for that dun." He says, "He'll he'll buck." Yeah. And so, actually, it was the Fourth of July a few years back, and I'd taken the one horse for a ride, came back, saddled the dun, went for a ride, got him kind of loosened up, and they said, "Time to to break into a little lope." So I kind of leaned forward just to touch to break him into a little gallop. Man, he unloaded me into the ground, <laughs> dumped me into the dust and the dirt, and. Uh, I thought, well, I'm going to get back on that horse. But when I got back over to him, I couldn't raise my arm <laughs> to reach up to grab the saddle horn. Well, a year or so later, I had a, a guy who says, uh, you know, he wanted a horse. And I said, well, I got one for sale, but he's a bucker. 
And uh, he said, oh, we can take that out of him. And I said, okay. So I sold the horse to him. And a couple of years later, I said, whatever happened to that horse? He says, well, he says, you were right. <laughs> he said, we could ride him all day. He'd come back to the trailer. And all of a sudden, he'd just break into bucking. And, you know, I, he probably would have made a good bucking stock for a rodeo. But with most of a horse's bad habits, they stem from a man's bad habits. Yeah. And I don't know what happened yeah. with that one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's, uh, I thought that was kind of... I like this story because it's told by the guy that it actually happened to. He was there. You know, You know, and there's another a couple of songs about the old Roan uh, that was written, an old cowboy tune song. And uh, Roans, for some reason, they've written a lot of stories and poetry about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the old cattle herds, uh, uh, they did not like a colored horse. No. When they went to pick out their horses, they got, what, I think 10 each. Uh, they the the colored horses uh, palominos uh, paints anything they were the last ones to to be chosen. You remember the most famous old saying about bronc riders and horses? I don't. Never was a hoss that couldn't be rode. Never a cowboy that couldn't be thrown. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, anyway, about the time you think you can ride anything, you can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've kind of given up on those days. Of you know, it's funny. Age like you, I mean, you're so old now, <laughs> right? But you think about getting bounced off on your noggin. It's not fun. No, I don't bounce like I used to. <laughs> no, neither one of us do. <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that was a good story, and it took place right here in the state in of Idaho. Idaho. Yep, yep, up near okay. Chalice and Salmon area. I got yep. to pay some bills, and right. uh, we'll look forward to having you back next week. I'll be here. Okay, maybe you'll ride in on your blue roan. <laughs> This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.